Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. It's the Midtown Madness Podcast. Before we get going, can't thank you enough for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button, as well as the bell icon down below to get notified every time we upload a video. Uh, it's season four. And once again, the Midtown Madness Podcast is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. We're not here to sell you any subscription service, any place to learn a new skill. We're not that serious. Uh, we're here for two men and a garden salsa. It's local. It tastes amazing. They've got all the flavors to suit your individual salsa preferences. And now they're sponsoring Julia Martinez. That's right. The leader of one of the best uh, fast breaks in all of women's college basketball is sponsored by the same place we are, Two Men and a Garden. You can pick up their many products at any local grocery store or online at twomenandagarden.com, which, if you're particular about your salsa taste, just like I am, that's where you better go. Follow them on social media at Two Men Salsa. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Need a mixed bag this week. Uh, a lot of uh, some really, really great stuff. And then some really not so great stuff. Um, but first, I mean, we're going. I think we just do we kick it off with men's basketball. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, we're a we're a slew women's soccer podcast as much as we are a slew men's basketball podcast. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we're we're going to cover it all. We're going to cover it all regardless, but Zach, I, I really don't mind. I've actually, I, I think this week might be tougher than any other in terms of determining the order uh, yeah. because, because as you said, it was, it's been bittersweet for us. I, I think we just kick it off with men's basketball and there was an open practice for media, open practice and media availability on Sunday, the 5th. Uh, we've got a couple of reports and I, I want to say before we get into the media reports, I, I have a problem with, well, it's not a problem with Kusamano, but here's what I mean when I say everything that is good for Mizzou is bad for SLU. Anything that is good for Lindenwood is bad for SLU. Anything that is good for SIUE is bad for SLU. It does not matter because it is Sunday the 5th. There is a Billiken game in less than 24 hours. And... Frank Cusimano is tweeting about a Mizzou football game that is not in six days. Like that's, that's not good. We need to do better. The Billikens need to do better. So you see local and regional college sports is more of a zero sum game than a, a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just like, I cannot, I can't mess with like Mizzou fans that are like, I, I'm glad you're on the Billiken bandwagon, but like, I don't, I, I'm not saying you can't be a fan of both. I'm saying like, there's a priority here and, and that's right. fine. Like I, again, if you don't want to be that serious, that's fine. But like, if you, you have to understand that anytime Mizzou wins, Slew loses. 
Yeah, it, I guess it's an attention economy, right? And and Frank seems to not quite be as much of a slew of fanboy as he used to be. Yeah, it's weird, I, I huh? Weird how that works. It's cooled recently. And I don't I don't know the whole story there if it's more than just I don't know, his his thoughts on the state of the program or what. I, I really don't know. But today from that open practice with with media invite so far we've really only heard from two guys and that's uh and that's Stu Durando and help me with his last name Zach is it Matthew Rocchio or Rocchio Rocchio okay I think it's Rocchio I I, I love him as a Twitter follow I always read his his tweets and everything but I I just I haven't heard it said um I don't think and I do think the Cusimano thing was weird because he really was like Travis Ford's biggest cheerleader when everyone was pissed, you know, at the end yeah. of the season. And he kind of came out and said, look, like maybe you should take all that, you know, money or you, maybe you should, you know, I, I don't know, pay a bigger. What did he say? Oh, instead of the buyout money, put it into the NIL. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, again, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Certainly I think Mizzou football, basketball right now have captured a lot of the imagination of the the local media. Sure. Um, and understandably, you know, like they, they're going to chase wherever the success is at the moment. And I think, um, you know, Mizzou's pretty good football season has, has, you know, college football is just a bigger sport period. And then their, their success on the recruiting trail and men's basketball with under a new coach, there's just a lot of good vibes and momentum in that direction right now too. So I get that point, but it's certainly a little disconcerting when our season is, like you said, less than 24 hours away from starting. And there's just not much buzz at all. Like there's just not much coverage at all. And yeah, that's, that's not a great feeling. Pete, we mentioned Matt Rocchio, Rocchio. I, I, I've not I've, correct us, Matt. Um, he dropped, uh, a few, uh, a few tweets in a thread with his thoughts on media day or not media day, but, uh, practice, uh, open practice. Yeah. On Sunday, the fifth. Yeah. He said Hargrove seems pretty excited about the possibilities of playing the five, um, saying it allows him to do more offensively and it makes him and Jimerson harder to guard, which I thought was interesting. He's been playing almost all five in practice and he's reached out to Hassan French and even some other players who have played the uh the position over the years it's the sign said lift weights <laughs> i'm sure he did and then uh i don't know if that extends beyond the the ford era but we saw on twitter conklin said that he didn't get a call uh oh oh shit <laughs> don't 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 poke the bear yeah yeah he'll get on a transcontinental flight right now um, he said sincere kept his answer short, but that his takeaway was that he's going to take a lot of threes. I think the, the words he used were green light special dude should wear sirens. So I, I don't know about you, I, Zach, I, but I I'm ready to see that. I give that line of a, a 4.8. So that's, that's, that's an okay line. Um, Ford had quite a bit to say to him though. Yeah. Let's, let's hear about this. This is interesting. So he said he's used more lineups in practice than ever before. And then a lot of players like Dalger and Hughes are playing three positions. Um, he he did seem confident, though, about like the unresolved NCA waivers and clearances. So I guess that's it's, good. I don't know. It he's sounds just projecting. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like a bit of hubris to me. 
I mean, I could I could see a world where Magasa, um, uh, Bruce, well, I, I, whatever Bruce is dealing with. Um, yeah, Magasa. I could see a world where Magasa is cleared on Monday morning. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it feels like they're imminent, right? Like, like the way Stu worded that tweet on fr- at the end of Friday when we found out that that Steph was going to be eligible. He said it's the only one they heard about today. So it feels like they they're ready to hear about these like any day now. And, and I do like I mean I, there has been a a noticeable absence uh of Janet Oberly uh in the oh, last two weeks. Yeah, she's got to be <laughs> I don't know what she's off. doing or where she is, but she's got to be working on this. Right. Yeah. I think it's uh yeah, her priority it, number one. I, I mean to show you how much of a priority it is, she missed the women's soccer Atlantic 10 championship. At least I didn't see her. Like yeah. that's her baby. Right. Right. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh good He's... luck to her. Uh they, like I've said it before, the only saving grace to this all this shit. Is that Janet Oberly is now on the case? Yeah, that woman can NCA comply with the best of them. She knows what she's doing. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, until then, he gave Hargrove a vote of confidence in playing the five. He said it allows them to do more offensively. So he kind of reiterated what TJ had said previously, and then, and then he said, or vice versa. Right. That's true. <laughs> Delger at the five was more of a need based thing. And he said they won't have to do it again. So Steph's cleared to play. They don't have a timetable on him being a hundred percent ready physically. I don't know if that means that he was still kind of banged up. Cause I know he was dealing with injuries over the summer or if they just mean adjusting to the speed, right? Like kind of getting up to, uh, up to the speed of the college game and everything. Um, he loves the defense that they can create, even without size. He said that Dalger and Thames will be out there a lot together to help compensate for that size deficiency. Um, one of the things he said, they need to learn even more from every game after an unusual preseason. So uh, I, I assume they're going to be spending a little more time in the film room, uh, breaking down X's and O's than than ever before. And then um, the the last note from Matt here, he asked Ford who the backup five is, and Ford said, we'll see, and then gave him what he described as the eyes emoji look. Like, just, just kind of, I don't know if he glared at him or kind of just had his eyebrows all the way up and was like, we'll see. So, I don't know, TBD there. But I uh, thought it was interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I don't know what that means, like any of it. <laughs> like, it like to... Like... Who's the it's backup a, five? Oh, we don't have one. Right. Like it is. Like, I mean, I'm sure it's Hargrove and then Dolger, Dolger and Thames. Like, that's what you're going to do. You're it, well, it's, it's it, when it's, Hargrove comes out, Thames comes in or it's a rapidly evolving situation, right? Like when you're yeah. waiting to hear back, they could, he, he said, we'll see, he could go back to his office and find out one of these guys is cleared, you know, like it's, it's just, it's, it's in his inbox. He just hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> hasn't checked his email. <laughs> uh, That'd be great. If there was like, if it turns out that they had gotten clearance all along and it was, they just missed the email. Right. <laughs> right. It's just, it went to oh, the spam. It, it folder. went to spam. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
Um, So Stu didn't have much to say. He just said that as of 10.30 a.m. on Sunday, Slew has not heard from the NCAA on Ezawiro or Magasa. Uh, Regarding Bruce's status for his knee, Ford said, we'll see. He's still got a little work to do. Um, He said Dalger has stopped working out at the five, which we had heard already, and that uh, Stefan was cleared but may not be ready physically. So uh, not a whole lot of new stuff there. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's really all we heard Zach out of the local media on this one. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I really don't like the fact that we don't get we're, like, we're not excited. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much going to enjoy going to Chaffetz arena on Monday. I'm very much going to enjoy going to Chaffetz arena on not Wednesday. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to enjoy Saturday against Illinois State. Like, I'm going to enjoy having Billiken basketball in my life, but like, it sucks because you see every other Atlantic 10 program actually feel like they have some forward momentum with their program. I, I think right. most of them, maybe St. Joe's, but they have like a great recruiting class. They may have the worst coach in the A-10, but they got a nice <laughs> recruiting class. That's what they said about us back in 2016. They may not have a good coach, but they got a good recruiting class. Uh, so I don't know, man. What do you, what do you think? Uh, no, you, you're right. It's it's tough. Like, I, I think it's going to be a light crowd on Monday, and that's a shame. Um I just, uh, I, we've talked about it a lot. We talked about it in the Twitter think tank episodes a lot. It's just, there just isn't a whole lot of either buzz or positivity, um, in, in the air around the program right now. And that that's hard. Uh, I, I know what it's like to go through a really bad season. That was my senior year. And, it's hard. And that, that was even a, a season where we thought we might be okay. You know, like we might see a postseason, and, uh, and it just didn't work out like that. And it, it's hard to go into a season like that though. Like I, I don't remember many other seasons where going into it, it was just dread. I think I would, I would go to that second cruise season of, you know, not having Majerus's players anymore. Uh, would be the, the last time I remember like this level of, uh, anxiety. Now that said, I th- I know there have been situations where we've had uh, players suspended or expelled or 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 facing situations like that. Um, but it but it wasn't just like uncertainty, like complete uncertainty. You know, like knowing who was actually going to be on the roster, kind of thing. Um, maybe I'm not articulating that point well, but uh, it, it seems like there's always something right, like going on with this program and. I don't know, like right now, it just more than ever, I just feel like people have just kind of, I don't like they're losing faith a little bit, right? Yeah, it's odd because, I mean, you look on the surface again, we could, we can rehash Travis Ford all day and night, and I'm not, I'm not interested in doing that, but like, it's so crazy that uh, it's almost like Cruz the the last two years of cruise really just scarred everybody where it's like never again. Mm-hmm. So like the first sign of this pro this program stagnating or even declining people like, no, 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 no. We're not right. doing this again. And right. uh, you know, it's, and it's cause it's funny. Cause we actually have a lot of, we have a, quite a 
few knowns on this roster. We just like, like uh, you know, uh, Jimerson's, uh, we know what we got sincere. We kind of know what he can do. You know, we just have to see him actually do it. Um, TJ, I mean, we kind of know, um, but, but at the same time, it, it does really feel like we have no idea. And, and even if we don't know necessarily what everybody's going to bring or how productive they'll be this season, they seem like an easy group of guys to root for. One of the things Ford has stressed is the, how competitive they are. Uh, Sion said this on the little social media piece they did on him uh, over the weekend, uh, but just that this is a gritty team who who likes to grind, who plays hard. And they they seem like a likable bunch, right? Like I, 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 I think these guys will be easy to root for. It's just just like I said in the last episode, it's just like, I'm just frustrated. Like I, I just want whatever the backcourt or the frontcourt situation is to be resolved. I want to know who I'm going to be watching. I want, I want these, these players deserve clarity uh, from the NCAA. It's, it's, it, it's so frustrating. This team better grind more than a, a Sigma Chi on a, on a, on a 80 pie at Laclede's. Seriously, this team is going to have to really, grind because yeah, there that's, is that's there, there, that's right <laughs> it, it, i like i don't know man let's talk about uh the what the billikens will be facing this week uh they start with southern indiana on monday the 6th we're really getting out of hand with the directional schools that get into the division one well Southern Indiana, and this came up on the second slew Twitter think tank episode. It's their second year at the D one level. They've got a really nice arena and facilities. They're they're in it's Indiana. Go figure. Yeah, they take basketball seriously. Even even those people in Evansville, uh, <laughs> in the <laughs> words people. of the late Bob Knight. Uh, so so they they are just a few miles away from the University of Evansville. Um, but they, uh, it's their second year at the D one level and those schools, like I was saying, like tend to kind of have a little momentum, right. Cause they're making that upward move last season in their first ever D one season, they finished 16 and 17 overall and nine and nine in the Ohio Valley. So they, they are worthy, you know, they are, they are there now they did lose a lot after last season. They happen to have a lot of upperclassmen. They had some transfers, they were picked to finish ninth of 11 in the Ohio Valley this season, just ahead of Lindenwood and just behind Western Illinois. So turnover is the reason for that, right? Like they, they lost their top six scores from last season, which means the top returning score is Jeremiah Hernandez and his 4.9 points per game. He's going to start and play a bigger role. But frustratingly, Zach, they, they just haven't played a game yet, including no exhibition. So I'm kind of relying on, on other sources newspaper articles and others who have done previews on them for a predicted starting lineup. It looks like, uh, along with Hernandez, you're going to see six, eight Nolan Coswell, who's a Tennessee tech transfer, um, second year USI player, Chiron Powell, who slew recruited actually back in the day, he's a I Houston transfer and then guards, Johnny Samani. I'm going to call him just cause I like the That's sound of that. Awesome. From Lawrence University and Jack Campion, who averaged 12 and a half minutes last season for the Screaming Eagles as they go by. But um, I don't know exactly that that's their lineup. The The reason for concern is that they do have some size, not just in that lineup. But on the bench, they've got a 6'10 um, UConn transfer, Yarin Hasson. 
uh, who played 11 total minutes last season. Again, didn't play much, but like they were the national champs, right? So like he's going to get a bigger opportunity. 6'10", Nick Hiddle, he averaged five minutes a game at Indiana State. I don't think he's a huge threat, but still like throw him in against our lineup and who knows. And then 6'7", 220 pound forward, Jack Mielka, uh, or Mielka, I don't know how to say his last name, played nine minutes a game last season. And then they kind of round out their rotation with some Juco guards. Like Slew, ton of unknowns on the team. There are a lot of guys who are going to get a bigger chance at Southern Indiana, and a few of them are really going to have to step up. So when you look at their roster and like what they did last season, it's, it's not much, right? There's a lot of small numbers at a lot of other schools. But the the, the difference from Slew is they've got some real size, and none of these bigs would worry me at all if we had a healthy, a fully available front court. If you run any of those two guys at the same at the same time, it's could be a problem zach so that that's where i think this game is going to be interesting i i could see both teams having to get really creative here yeah uh, i'm anxious <laughs> it, it, it's i have no idea what's about to happen I, I don't know if i'm gonna walk out of there and want to never walk back in i have no idea like not a clue yeah, this I mean, this is really going to be for me. It's maybe the most revealing season about Travis Ford, right? Like what I what think do you come so. up with, what do you come up with to compete at this level when you just really don't have bigs, um, for or at least for as long as that situation lasts. You know, like let's let's see what they do because they've got three games this week. Uh, let's quickly just run through Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, we'll do Lincoln quickly. Lincoln's a D2 school. It's an HBCU in Jeff City. It's got about 1,800 students, so it's a small school. And they play in the MIAA, which is the Mid-America Intercollegiate Athletics Association. So they've got schools like Emporia State, Northwest Missouri, Fort Hayes State, if you remember, they upset K-State back in 2020. And then you've got like Central Missouri, Central Oklahoma, where uh, Dennis Rodman went, I think. Um, so other schools like That's that. Lincoln... Cool. Lincoln was picked to finish 12th of 14 teams in the in the conference this year. Last year, they finished fifth. They beat UMKC, actually, in a season opening exhibition. Um, and then Lincoln actually calls the slew game an exhibition on their schedule. So it will be the first game of the season for them, which I thought was interesting. It's not an exhibition for us, but it is for them. I don't know if that's like a lower division thing or not. I never ever really looked at it from the other angle. So they lost their top three scorers which is why they're not being picked to finish fifth again. Uh, they returned four through six, all three of whom are seniors. 6'1 guard DJ Richardson, 6'4 J- guard Jamar Madge, and then 6'3 guard Sam Routens. The top three sc- scorers who graduated were also the top three rebounders. So they kind of have a different look to the front court this year, and it has a lot of transfers. 6'8 transfer from Western Illinois named Elijah Farr. 6'9 transfer from Florida A&M, Peyton Williams. And then they've got a 6'10 freshman from Spain, They've also got some six 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 seven combo forwards who are a little bit deeper in the rotation, and their their other D one transfer is a guy named Trey Boston from Louisiana Monroe. So the bottom line, Zach, they're going to be better than Berea, but I don't think they're as good as Kentucky Wesleyan. Great, they got a six ten freshman from Spain. They found Bo freaking Cruz. <laughs> um, no, uh, uh, Sam Rowden's just sounds like a guy who's going to bomb ten threes on us. Somebody will. Somebody will. I mean, yeah. even Berea, who who we beat, had a guy who scored 27. So there's always going to be that dude somewhere. Sam Routens just sounds like a Missouri Valley Conference guy. Like, I just, I love that name. I don't know. Um, Illinois State on Saturday the 11th. 
Yeah, this is an interesting one. Maybe the most interesting of the bunch to me. They finished 11 and 21 last season. They went six and 14 in the Valley and finished ninth. Not a good scoring team last season. They averaged 66 and a half points a game, which was 313th in the country. And then they were in the bottom 10% in the country in field goal attempts and assists. They turned it over 14.6 times a game. They didn't rebound well, uh, but they're picked to finish eighth of 12, of 12 season uh, teams in the Valley this season and defeated Illinois Wesleyan in an exhibition game. They'll host uh, NIA, NAIA, Lord's University, tonight as we uh, release this, which is Monday night. So uh, we'll, we'll be, you know, I don't think that'll be a super revealing one. They started Malachi Poindexter, Dalton Banks, Brandon Lieb, Kendall Lewis, and Luke Kasubke against Illinois Wesleyan. If you recognize the last name, Slew was one of the finalists for Kasubke coming out of high school at Chaminade, Zach, but he went to K-State and didn't play there uh, all that much before transferring to Illinois State. He'll definitely have something to prove in front of friends and family, though. Poindexter might be the big name on this team. He had 17 points in the exhibition. He was hot from three. He's a 6'2 guard who averaged over nine points a game as a junior and is taking on a bigger role this season. He started his career at Virginia. Uh, Lewis, the 6'8 forward, was their third leading scorer and top rebounder last season. He averaged uh, 10.9 and 7.3 rebounds per game. They also return a six-foot guard named Darius Burford. He was their top scorer last year, just under 13 points a game. Uh, but he came off the bench in this exhibition and wound up with 19. Uh, Lieb is the guy from Illinois. He's a transfer. He's a bit of a stiff offensively. He's 7-1, uh, though, and that's kind of an issue. So he can rebound. He's a good passer for a big, too. Um, so who knows what he's going to look Bruce, like. Bruce, get so, your knee figured out. Yeah, figure it out quickly. Whatever. Yeah, we've got uh, five days. Let's go. Um, and then they've got a freshman I really like, a 6-6 guard named Ty Pence. He's out of the suburbs of Chicago. He had 13 off the bench in that exhibition. SLU recruited him, and I, and he's a player. I, I Again, I, I'm kind of hoping we'd land. Um, there's another freshman who could be an issue. He's a 6'9 forward named Chase Walker. Didn't score much, but he had six rebounds in the exhibition game. I don't really know what to make of the lineup in, in the exhibition, given that 11 guys played between 12 and 24 minutes. Only two of them played over 20 minutes. Overall, they returned most of their key players from last season. They added a couple really strong freshmen, a few intriguing transfers. It's probably not enough to win the Valley, but they could be a top half team if those new pieces kind of fit. They've just got a lot of depth um, is what it looks like to me. And I think they'll have the ability to throw a lot of different looks at SLU. So um, this could be an interesting test early in the season, especially if we don't have all those bigs. Um. Look, I, I, I really don't know what to expect from the Billikens this year. Um, but since they all obviously listen to this show, I figured I'd, I'd you know, I'd impart some wisdom on them. And now, uh, look, I, I really think that uh, we're, we're going to judge this season and the Travis Ford tenure at SLU based on this season. It, it It's just how things work. But like, I think the way this team played in the exhibitions, if they play that way, they play hard, they grind it out on defense, they play together and, and really don't give up on each other in the team. I think, I think it's, it'll be something that we can at least be proud of the guys on the court. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, th I think we're both kind of on the same page with that too, Zach. I, I like, 
I, reading social media, reading various places where SLU fans congregate online, there's a lot of negativity, but I'm willing to kind of, I just, I just want to give them a chance. Like yeah. I'm excited for basketball again. I've always loved this program and I'm going to root for them no matter what. I just, uh, by the way, I, when I, did I, you get a micro, get a new microphone? You're just noticing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's been all episode, you know, Is almost that just, an hour now. Just, oh, okay. <laughs> no, he's yeah, got the Rogan microphone now. Is that what that's the, my so my my, it's the brand. my brother and my brother in law told me to get this one the Sure. Yeah, that's he, like yeah, he's, the, he's got that's like a the... little yeah he's got a media production company and he saw my setup and he was like you need a new mic so he he insisted that I get this one he didn't buy it for me yeah he, what the hell is that yeah, come insisted, on you know. <laughs> insisted that you get the Sure microphone and then doesn't yeah right he just told me what to buy i was like all right i'll do it i'll do it jason and and, uh we'll see what kind of feedback we get from it anyway yeah i don't i don't know uh what i do know is that uh nothing uh nothing about two men in a garden is unknown they're old reliable zach they are and we've said this twice in the show already we've we've talked about this but uh, they do have a new spokesperson in Julia Martinez. She uh, she just posted a few hours ago as we pod and and said uh, to try her favorite spicy dill uh, pickles and then the hot mango salsa. They won't disappoint. Both spicy. I thought that was interesting on both the pickle and salsa side. She said to look at them, look for them at all St. Louis grocery stores, as well as Whole Foods in the Chicago area, uh, which I did not know. And this this we're going to use her code here julia for free shipping on orders over 25 dollars, which i will be doing sometime in the next couple or in and probably in the next week or so uh based on my own supply so i always talk about their 9.99 shipping being a great deal but use julia as the code and get free shipping that's an even better deal and you can do that at two men in a garden.com yeah we still haven't gotten our code what the hell we need we need, we need a code, code. Uh, because I do. Who did I? Uh, this is a guy I talked to at the game today. Uh, mentioned that uh, he bought two men in the garden for the first time because uh, we won't shut up about it. Yeah, uh, we. I, I I've heard a surprising amount of people say that they've tried it out uh, based on hearing it from our it's, show. It's it's weird. It's maybe weird. that's uh, why they don't want to do a code for us, Zach. Like it's yeah, it's, it's too much money. money. Yeah, yeah, they can't. Uh, so yeah, let us do our own flavor instead. Yes, uh, dude, I'm dead serious. Like, I, I'm not kidding when I say that I would like my own. If I have my own flavor of salsa, I can just go ahead and call it a career. <laughs> I'll just retire. Like, I've said my goal was to make in the Billiken Hall of Fame. Uh, I, I just want my own type of salsa. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what, what more that's self actualization right there. That's, what more, that's the very yeah, top yeah, of the pyramid. Oh, man, I love it. Um, Billiken fans, uh, we are now going to welcome uh, welcome on a friend of the show, voice of your St. Louis University women's basketball team, uh, and all around just fantastic broadcaster, uh, Colin Surrey. Uh, Colin, what's going on, buddy? Hey, I'm excited to be here. Excited to see all of you Billikens fans and excited to talk some hoops. I mean... Goodness, the way it felt so long coming off of that championship season, and finally they're back on the hardwood. 
Yeah, sometimes it's kind of you. You talk about like uh, ice hockey, where it, it, the the team that goes to the Stanley Cup Finals got to turn around and and play right away. But this one really did feel like an extended off season. It did, and in so much excitement over the course of the off season as well. Of course, you graduate one of the greatest players in program history, and Brooke Flowers. But she remains with the team. She's on the coaching staff as a graduate assistant still. So still going to be able to pull from her wisdom and a trio of really talented plug-and-play type transfers that are going to come right into this rotation and make an impact right away. And I think replacing Brooke Flowers, I shouldn't say replacing, but starting in her spot in the five is one of those transfers in Nook Shavers. So we'll get an early look at what they have to offer, and I think it's going to be quite a bit. So with Shavers, you called her uh, a nickname, it sounds like. She yes, doesn't go by yes, Markavia. So Markavia goes by Nook. Okay. All right. I'll get used to that. I hadn't heard that one yet. Yeah. Mark, she, Markavia Shavers, that name is just not uh, like, I don't know. It just doesn't scream women's basketball I don't, or ath- like athlete. I don't know. It, it sounds like a teacher. She me, is like, one heck of an athlete. She'll teach you how to get on the glass. She'll teach you that for sure. So what, how is she different than Flowers? I know well, you can't just find another Flowers out there in the transfer portal or the high school ranks or whatever. So so wh- I, she's really our only starter, right, who's going to be different than last season. How does that change the dynamic of this lineup? Well, it, it opens up some opportunities. But, of course, I think what you saw with this team last year, so much pressure on the perimeter. They were able to turn opponents over doing that and did a great job of that in their exhibition game against Missouri S&T as well. But you did see missing that paint presence. When you run opponents off of that three-point line and you're really aggressive on the perimeter, there's going to be some driving lanes. And Brooke Flowers could erase so many of those opportunities. And Shavers isn't quite the shot blocker that, of course, not many are the shot blocker that Brooke Flowers was, but she brings a great physicality in the play, in the paint. Players that are maybe trying to move you out of space and create position down low, it's going to be much more difficult to do that against Nook Shavers. And she's a really good athlete as well. She moves around really well and and does a great job at creating room for the offense to operate in the they were operating at a high level in that exhibition game. And I think they will throughout the regular season as well. Brooklyn gray, another newcomer uh, put in 12 points in just 17 minutes off the bench. What does she bring uh, to this squad as a, as a newcomer? She's an offensive spark plug and she is a player that can get her own basket. So Kind of similar to Kyla McMakin, shot clock running down, a player that can create her own shot. And I think something that fans can be really excited about all of these transfers. So Shavers, as well as the other transfer, Tierra Simon, that we haven't mentioned yet, both played at Pearl River Community College down in Mississippi, an incredibly successful program. They went 24-3, and I think it was, last year on a deep run in the national tournament. And then Brooklyn Gray comes from Wabash Valley, which fans from this area may be very familiar with because they have tremendous JUCO programs in a number of sports. And Brooklyn Gray coming from the Rockford, Illinois area, same hometown as Peyton Kennedy on the team as well. Um really comes from that winning pedigree. So I think they're all players that understand what it takes to sacrifice 
and give up something to reach a greater goal. They're not players that I think maybe have an idea that, hey, I'm going to be a superstar player coming into this team. And that's something that I'm sure Rebecca Tillett had her eyes on right away. How are these players going to fit the culture? I think that was the greatest asset that this team really had comes the season's end last year. I feel like we haven't, Pete, you correct me if I'm wrong, but first of all, I, I want to find out where this Mississippi connection comes in. But also, uh, we haven't had many community college or JUCO women's basketball players throughout the years, Pete. I, I can't think of one, to be honest with you. There have been some. It's been a while. There were a few in my era, but you know, now we're talking uh, 20 years ago. So it's... Uh, God, it, I got to go back and look at that. That's so I don't think we had a lot at all during um, you know the previous coach's tenure, which was a 10-year stretch. Um, so yeah, I, I can't really think of any other recent ones. And I think a big reason for that is just that you know, the coaching staff kind of getting a late start last year affects that next recruiting cycle as well. So, you know, maybe not the amount of time to get their roots fully planted in that St. Louis area where they primarily want to recruit from and found an opportunity to really grab some great recruits that that not only you can plug and play, but Brooklyn Gray comes to the Billikens as a true sophomore. And the other two are juniors still. So really, really great opportunity for players to come in and, you know, not be expecting, hey, are they going to be in the rotation? Are they are they going to redshirt? They're players that you can count on right away. And I think that added depth is going to be a huge strength for this team throughout the season. I was just going to ask about depth because it does seem like, you know, and I, I know you can't take too much away from a, a lower division exhibition game, right? But it does seem like they do have more options on the bench than they did last season. And I'm wondering, um, do you think, how, how do you think that affects the the style when we see them running this season? I think it's going to be maybe even more run and gun than what you saw last year. I think that was the style of play when this team was really playing well. They got up and down the floor. They mm -hmm. created live ball turnovers. They crashed the offensive glass. They were really good in the run of play. And, you know, with that added depth, I think somebody who you can really look to maybe take a bigger role this year, even coming off the bench, is a Camry Clegg. For as healthy as the team stayed last year, Cam Ree was a little bit banged up from time to time. And I think we didn't get to fully see what she's truly capable of. I mean, this is a lights out type of shooter that, you know, that was an area where this team struggled a little bit, especially in the early going last year. And I think her missing presence was a big part of that and adding her back into the mix with a player that can shoot it like a Brooklyn gray and, and so many others, I think, is going to be a huge asset for this team. And, you know, what was a deficiency for the team last year could very well be a strength. I mean, you bring back Kyla McMakin, we know what she can do from the outside. And Peyton Kennedy is one of the most efficient players in the Atlantic 10. And it looks like she's only gotten better. I mean, she looked outstanding again against lower competition in an exhibition game, but almost did not even miss a shot. I think she missed three total in the game and scored... 27 points right and and when you say efficiency i'm, I'm thinking with mcmakin has that really been a conversation uh with regard to her in the offseason because as much as she can do and as much as she can get hot and change a game make a big play she isn't the most efficient scorer so i, I wonder 
what have the conversations there like between her and the coach has been like to 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 capitalize on on her strength and you know maybe make her a little bit more efficient well i don't think that there's ever necessarily that that specific word being used efficiency but there's always coaching towards hey how can we get you to the free throw line where you shoot mm. nearly 90% right. you know there's that conversation of hey what's what's the kind of shot that's in rhythm for you and how do we get you that type of shot so julia martinez going down the stretch last year was asking like hey what what do you need from us kylo like what do you need from us to get you going and i think just that that added confidence that her teammates want to put her in those spots and have the confidence for her to take and make tough shots because that's the type of player that she is. And that's a huge asset to a team. While you look at the overall percentage and it might not be great, how many players even have somebody that they even feel comfortable putting them in that role? And I think something that was really interesting too in that exhibition game, it almost felt like Kyla was making a statement. She was unbelievable on the defensive side in that game. She had multiple blocks, had four steals in the game. And that's something that, you know, if five foot 11, she can have that complete type of game. The rebounding wasn't there in that exhibition game, but that's something that she can add to the table as well. So a player that can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I don't think you worry about the efficiency so much with her. I think just the fact that she's in such a, a great system from day one this year and everybody's on the same page, those numbers are going to look much, much better this year just by the quality of shots that she's going to get throughout the offense. I mean, let's be honest, there, were some num there weren't many numbers for many players that looked great for a majority of the last season until they caught fire at the end of the year. Right. Uh, we talked to you. Well, you talked about Julia Martinez in there, and I'm curious if if she has added anything to her game or has just just steadily gotten better. Uh, and, so, you know, what are you seeing from her? Yeah, she she dealt with a little injury in the offseason. But the one question for her is, you know, boy, you hope she doesn't lose that first step, that explosiveness that she has, that ability to get to the rim and that ability to make a cut and create a steal that you didn't think was possible. It was all there and then some. I mean, she looked outstanding from an athletic standpoint and as pesky as ever, you know, creating chances all over the place. And that energy is just infectious for this team that she plays with. She kind of sets a standard just from a, a work ethic perspective on the court of what everyone can expect to meet that level. And I think Ken Calhoun as well, Kennedy Calhoun also plays a huge role in setting that bar. It was really early in the exhibition game. Coach Tillett was yelling out at, uh, at Kennedy Calhoun, hey, turn the heat up, turn the heat up. One of the things that, that she talks about is playing at 212 degrees, which is the point of at which water boils. And, you know, Julia Martinez and Ken Calhoun are a huge part of that. She looked outstanding. Um, she made a lot of free throws in that one. Of course, she struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year at the free throw stripe and continued to get better and better and better as the year went along. She almost had a triple-double in that one. So I think you can expect the same old Julia Martinez, if not a little bit better. I think there's any chance we see a quadruple double from her this season. I won't put anything out of the question with Quad Julia nickel Martinez. For sure. I mean, you can see the steals number. I mean, we've seen that up near double digits. We've yeah. seen her 
do an incredible job, of course, with your standard triple double. And, you know, maybe not the maybe not the blocks that we had last year, the chances for it with Brooke Flowers picking up her triple double with blocks last season. But, uh, yeah, really, really exciting the way that she can stuff the stat sheet. You know, I'm I'm not sure we really uh I don't know how much we we did talk to you going to the NCAA tournament. Uh but I'm curious what if this Billiken women's team is going to repeat or uh what, what is it? I I always hate when they say like defending champions it's raining. It's raining champions. What but if they are to uh def- repeat as A10 women's basketball championships what what is this team gonna have to look like and and when are they at their best they're they're gonna have to do all all the little things all the grind you out things to win a basketball game they were out rebounded in that missouri state exhibition or missouri snt exhibition game excuse me by eight actually but they were plus 21 in turnovers turnovers were such an issue for this team trying to get that offensive style implemented trying to you know first year head coach get everything in order and by the time they did i mean that was that was really what it was all about for this team was outdoing opponents on the offensive glass and winning the turnover battle and really frustrating opponents i mean there were not many teams that could handle the guard play that umass possessed that could handle the guard play that Rhode Island possessed and players like Kennedy Calhoun and Julia Martinez were able to make, you know, Lassiter's feel uncomfortable grad transfer, you know, great experience over, over a hundred games started in their career made players look like they, they were freshmen out there at times, you know, with what they were able to do defensively. So I think really just owning that, that style of, of toughness, in that we are going to do every little thing better than our opponent. Because I think this is a team that there are going to be nights where they get outshot from the three-point line. There are going to be nights where, you know, maybe an opponent does one or two things better, but this Billikens team has the ability to win all those hustle stats consistently, night in and night out. And I think that's what they can hang their hat on and what it's going to take to repeat as A-10 champs. They played a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule last year, and in you know there were the records show that right. You know, first year coach, a lot of new players, and and it was a struggle. This season, they start with three pretty tough games uh, in Drake, Mizzou, and Missouri State, and I really haven't had a chance to kind of look into the, you know what those teams look like this season yet. But have you have you had a chance to kind of look ahead at the schedule and 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 see what's in store for them? You know, two weeks from now, obviously they're going to be in the North Shore of Hawaii. Yeah, they're, pl- they're playing Shamanad, Pete. Did you see that? I know, not not mine. Not you not, know. not I mean, your Shamanad. Right. There's no way. Yeah, don't get excited. <laughs> Settle no, down. But, that, but then they'll play Wake Forest and BYU out there as well. But uh, how do you keep them focused? I guess on these first three really challenging games when they're you know 13 days away, less than that from from landing in uh, Oahu. Well, I I don't think there will be any problem with focus. I mean, this is a group of just basketball junkies on this team. Like they're the type of players that you know they're wanting to to look at the film before the team ever breaks anything down with anyone. I mean. They love it. And I think just just the fact that basketball is back and they have a chance 
to prove how special they can be. I think, you know, there's a feeling around this team of, you know, Coach Tillett talks all the time about excellence and everything. And this team just really embodies that in a huge way. And and it's down to every little detail of how they carry themselves. And a big part of that is being able to stay present and focused in whatever given moment. And I think, you know, we talked about it, I think, going into the tournament, how many teams would have folded when a UMass hits a three at the buzzer to tie the game, when you thought you had it won against all odds, you're able to beat this UMass team that no one thought you were going to take down twice and to do it again in a championship. And now you got to go into overtime. Oh no, there was no panic from this team. And I think it's, it's that presence and in the moment ability that they have to, to keep it just right in front of them that, is going to serve them well early on against a tough stretch of teams. And I think they'll be ready to, to meet the task that these teams meet. And, you know, they were on the road so much to begin last season. They right. get all three of those games at Chaffetz Arena before they head out to Hawaii. I think that's going to make a big difference as well. You heading to Hawaii? Yes, on the trip, yeah. So, that's, right. that's do you know be... where they're streaming that those games? Because I can't find anything. I do. I do not know what the deal is, but you'll always have slewbillikins dot com to try to sync that audio up with. I, I, I will be doing the video that. Video ends up being found here. I will do that, dude. I, sure. I mean, they've got two these two big games: Drake, Missouri. What do you know? Like, have you done your scouting? What do you got for us? So I, I've dived into Drake a little bit. I mean, just obviously a really historically successful team. Um, you know, I, I couldn't really give you like points of what I think they need to do specifically in that game against that team. And it's hard to, you know, just predicting what rotations are going to be coming into any given season. But, you know, it's it's again going to be a great test for this yeah. team. And I think, you know, too, to, to go up against those top Missouri Valley conference teams, even though they came away with a bunch of losses due to that schedule last year, it really helped them come the season's end being put in those tough positions. It's not as if, you know, they were facing competition as if they felt, wow, this is something we haven't faced yet this season. I'm sure they felt the exact opposite that they had been overprepared. And then all of a sudden it was like, taking the donut off the bat you know if you will yeah uh, drake's coming drake is coming off a 22 and uh 10 record 14 and 16 conference they made the ncaa tournament uh be winning the final uh in the mvc tournament by 18 and they lost uh, the five seed louisville by two that's yes. this could be so tough that's a test that's a test for you right there and how about you know, two NCAA tournament teams meeting to start the year out of mid-majors. I mean, that that's just exciting in general, I think, for women's basketball. And, you know, obviously everything that that's happened at Iowa to bring more notoriety to the sport, it, it's just great to see women's basketball grow in general. And I know Julia Martinez has... Uh, signed a new big deal with with a company that you guys are near and dear to so i'm sure you guys are excited about her getting that opportunity 
In fact, I just mentioned it on the uh, ad read for the intro. How about that? I love it. Uh, dude, I, I mean, this this women's basketball team, uh, just make your make your pitch for this women's basketball team. I, I, I mean, nobody follows it closer than you do. I, I think, you know, if you want to be inspired by something, come watch this team play. And I think, you know, it's a little bit easier for me to say that because I'm around Coach Tillett and all these amazing things she says all the time. I think I, I want to make it a point this season. I'm just going to I'm going to write down and I already do in my notes. I write down these little quotes. Yeah, it sounds like a book. These things that she says. And I need to share more of it with the audience because it truly is just inspiring the way that she is constantly working to find different coaches, to find different. It, it doesn't even have to do with basketball sometimes different areas to find ways to inspire her own players and it, it rubs off on everyone there's such a positive mindset such a togetherness about this team and I think you know if you're maybe a little frustrated with the way that men's basketball is trending and maybe things work out for that team you know in the end this is a great team to hit your wagon to and and be positive with because I think they're not only going to provide quite a bit of W's and in good vibes for you throughout the season, but the personalities on this team are ones that you can get behind. I mean, every last woman on this team is somebody that you say, wow, like I wish that could be a coach for my daughter or wow. I wish I could, you know, work in a workplace with someone like that every last one of them. And again, like I talked about with the culture come the season's end, that being the team's greatest weapon, I, I think you're only going to see that become an exponential thing in their favor as Rebecca Tillett continues to instill what she expects from this group. I mean, it's an exciting time to be a slew women's basketball fan. Well, have fun in Hawaii, and we, and we want to see a deep winter tan on you all season long. <laughs> I don't know if I can promise you that, but if you catch me maybe early March after the first few slew baseball games, then yeah. I might have a little tan going for you <laughs> after being out in the bleachers. We got to get yeah. you in a press box for that. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hey, I'm I'm out here to soak up the sun and the the wind. Don't tell them that. Whatever else. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. Don't let it be all right. No. uh, (laughs) Thank you, Colin, for for taking the time out and um, and giving our uh, listeners a preview of uh, SLU women's basketball. No, I appreciate you guys as always. You do tremendous work. Always great to talk to you both, Peter and Zach, and hoping to do it again soon here and. I think there's going to be a lot of excitement and we're going to have some great conversations throughout the year. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Colin. Thank you guys. Thank you, Colin, for, for joining the show and and giving us a great uh, preview and outlook for the, for the women's basketball team. They take on Drake Thursday, the ninth and Sunday, they take on Missouri. That's the 12th. Both of these games are at Chaffetz. As we mentioned, both against very good opponents. Um, Pete, women's basketball. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great, Zach. And I go see them play live. Better yet, get season tickets. Like they, they just put up their promo schedule for the season, and it just shows you like how hard they're working to get their potential world of fans engaged. 
community night education day that's always a a wild one. Oh, that is that, that is bring your earplugs for that one yeah cheer they've got a cheer and dance clinic day they've got girl scout night a camper reunion from their summer campers and something they're calling billiken heiress yeah, tour yeah uh, i know favorite. you you might watch that one uh from home but yeah anyway that's, that's an espn plus game they're already like so fun to watch colin told you like what great personalities they've got and uh they're just trying to create an atmosphere of fun around the team too so uh, truly go support this team there. They were so fun to watch last year and they're going to be good again. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's always great. The women's basketball team is always out watching other games. I mean, I know I'm sure it's something that is instilled in the players again, in, in all programs. Right. But I, I, it just feels like the women's soccer or the women's basketball team uh, along with women's or men, uh, baseball are just always out. They're always out watching the game. So uh, it was great to see them, obviously, at the uh, women's soccer match, the final today. Saw Julia Martinez with a little ice on the knee. Got to ice up, you know, ice up the knee. Uh, Get ready for that game on Thursday. Let's talk about that game today. But first, we got to build up to that with uh, the rankings. RPI, the Billiken women come in. We're talking about uh, women's yeah, soccer. We are yes. talking about women's soccer. Billiken women's soccer comes in at 15. They were 13 last week. They're 21st in the coaches pull up one spot. Uh, no change in the top drawer soccer. They stay at 11. And then no change in the college soccer news. Uh, they're still 15 there. Pete, give us the A10 all conference honors and uh, do it in one breath. Emily Percelli, goalkeeper of the year. Lindsay Hackle, defensive player of the year. Emily Gaby, offensive player of the year. All three of them, plus Abby Miller and Caroline Kelly, made the all-conference first team. The second team had Sophia Stram, Katie Hauk, Hannah Larson. Rookie team had Alyssa Bacchius. And all-academic team were Hauk and Larson, Zach. Nice job. I was try- I was literally seeing if you'd pass out. Uh, <laughs> and you, you, you passed the test. Um, Billikens win five nothing in the A10 semifinals on Wednesday, the first twenty uh, first minute. Emily Grork initially got credit for this Duquesne own goal, but the box score was updated to credit the SLU team. She put in a cross that bounced off a Duke's defender and broke the plane before the goalie could get it out. Peter, yeah. I, I feel like SLU team. It always reminds me of like rebounding. You get a team yes, rebound, right? Team rebound. Yeah, th- yeah. this one, Zach. Like it had me. I think we've talked about this in the past, right? Because it, it seems like in college soccer, they never want to call it an own goal. Like they always want to give. Like they say sudden victory. That shit drives me nuts. I, and it's not necessarily like a pet peeve. I just wondered if it was like a rules thing. Like it has to be the last offensive player who touched it or something like that. I, I didn't really know. So when I saw that again, I was like, well, this this would have been an own goal in any professional league. Um, but it, But a few hours later, it was weird, like like the the initial box score had her name, and then a few hours later, it went to a, a team goal. Uh, they don't, I guess, they don't technically call it an own goal, but nonetheless, that's what it was. But she made it happen. Thirty uh, eighth minute, an Olympico by Hannah Sawyer with her corner kick, curling it in around the near post off the keeper's hands and in the back of the net. It looked like a header in the crowd. Uh, even on the replay, but it only hit the goalie and and still would have gone in had no one touched it. Uh, Hannah Sawyer just, uh, I, 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 I'm going to get to Hannah Sawyer on this 75th minute play. 
But before that, uh, 39th minute, Julius Simon sent in a low, long skipping ball that got through everybody into the back of the net. Uh, 47th minute, Caroline Kelly with a header off an Izzy Lubert cross. Sophia Stram was also credited with an assist. Uh, 75th minute, it, it was Sawyer again, this time from an assist by Jess Preiser. Used her speed and a really nice cutback to get it to her left foot and finish strong. Yeah, she's she's a fun player, Zach. I mean, like like she doesn't really pass, does she? Like I I, I once I once I started noticing, I was like, if she gets it, she's just gonna take it. Uh, I've been watching for that a lot, and she really just she does she doesn't pass a lot. Her speed's incredible. Her shooting ability is is lethal. Uh, and this comment isn't necessarily relevant to this particular play, right? Like she did the right thing. No, yeah. no, absolutely not. I just uh, she's so goddamn entertaining. She like, whether like, she's on the field or off the field, I yes. want her to just be like the biggest antagonist. And like, <laughs> I don't want her to be a nice person. Like, I want her to be kind of a shithead like that. She it, like in the game. She's just so like annoying in the greatest way when she's on your team. She's on the sideline, like working the refs. <laughs> she's working the linesman as he's up and down. Like, it's hilarious. I, I. I can't get enough of watching her play and Ian on the sideline just brings a little extra entertainment value. She's, she's on the the shorter side on the roster. Yes. She, she can fly. I think she might be, I know they, they talk about Larson and the beep test, but like Sawyer is really, really fast. She's those legs move so damn fast. She's really fast. Like she has smoked people all season long and then like, she will let it go from anywhere. And so, so like you can't take your eyes off this player when she's got the ball because you're just like, what's she going to do next? It's she's really entertaining to watch. And you're right. It, it is funny to think of her as like maybe a bit of a like a heel, you know, and yes. wrestling like like somebody who uh, who you hear you're, you're just naturally drawn to. Uh, but they're just so competitive. Yes. And uh, you have to imagine like not the favorite of, of the opposing uh, players either. So yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I she's really become an intriguing player to me over the course of this season for sure. I I kind of see Emily Gaby being like the physical heel, where she just she's a heel and that she just just Heisman's every defender, mm-hmm. and, and just out just is just that like assaulting everyone offensively. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but then like Hannah Sawyer is more of like that like that loudmouth heel. <laughs> like she's yeah. the, like she's just like gonna just piss you off with everything she says i, yeah, I just but she's probably the sweetest person on earth i'm i'm sure she's just like yeah. an incredible human being you just you just, like, you just, just wanna you want to believe you want i want to believe like, i don't I, I i it's still real to me damn we, it <laughs> we've constructed this character and she just she has to be it has, has to, to be. She has to be a horrible person <laughs> i i want her to be a horrible person no yeah, and, uh, and she's Almost yeah. certainly not. <laughs> no, she's. I'm sure she's not. Uh, no, keep keep doing you, Hannah Sawyer. We she, are, I, we, I really we are I, entertained just, every day. It's like a, it's just a competitive thing, right? Yeah. Like I even on my like it's my, me. Like I I identify with that. She's small. She's fiery. Like she has like I yell at the ref. She yells at the ref. She's just like us. She yeah. puts her pants on two one leg at a time like us. It's great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah she's 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 great to watch though uh keep entertaining us for sure yes uh the shots were uh 27 to 7 billikens 10 to 6 shots on goal for the billikens 
Uh, corners were 12 to one fouls were 12 to 11, two yellows for each team. Macy Lutz got one for slew and Sawyer had one late in the game. And I think, uh, what somebody wasn't happy about that. I mean, just that she got it late. I think, I think Betlock mentioned it on the broadcast or or McDermott did. It was maybe not the smartest tackle. It was a little bit from behind. Yes. It was, yeah. She, I mean, she earned it. It was, I, I was certainly well, just not, not happy with her getting with that her play. Card, right. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a it was super smart play. Uh, Percelli tied the all time shoutouts record of 38 held by Megan Burke. Uh, she also moved into second place in career saves, 249. Sluza Sis gave them 61 on the season, tying the record they set last year. Pete. Let's talk about this A-10 championship game. Yeah, Zach, this one was, I don't know what to say about this game. This was like, well, first of all, you know, they won three to nothing. This was their sixth consecutive conference title. The A-10 championship game at Herman Stadium on Sunday the 5th. Everything you would want to be able to say about this game at the end is right there, right? But it wasn't always the easiest game to watch. Not necessarily, especially in the second half. It was very boring in the second half. I don't know if boring is the right word. Just maybe a little, uh, I'll get to it later. It just felt stupid. Like It was like, what are we doing? Like, why? Why is this happening? Right. So on the other side of the bracket, LaSalle beats Dayton one nothing in extra time to get uh, in the semifinals uh, to get here. SLU actually beat LaSalle 4-0 in, earlier in the regular season. I had forgotten they played. I think everything that happened before that tie against Dayton was just kind of wiped from my memory. And that was like, and then the season restarted from there. Uh, I don't, for whatever reason, I don't know why. I can't remember a conference game before then. But anyway, we did see them. And the first half, Zach, played out it was definitely physical. It was definitely a lot of chirping at the ref. Bit of a ref show in this game for sure. Uh, but he could have probably had a little bit better control of it from the start. Uh, nonetheless, Slew pretty much controlled the first half. 14th minute, Caroline Kelly scored on a rebound from Emily Gaby. Uh, Gaby's shot actually was tipped off the goal. The goalie tipped it off the post. And uh, and Caroline Kelly was there for the rebound. The play actually originated on a throw-in, which, as Bill McDermott reminded us, man, coaches hate to give up goals off throw-ins. Uh, so so yeah, two two most lethal goal scores getting it done there. Twenty uh, eighth minute, Gaby from Kelly and Anna Lawler. This time, her shot hit the underside of the crossbar. It was a lethal shot, bounced in all the way back up into the top netting. So Lawler got the ball in this one, Zach. I don't know if you felt the same way, but she had a little space and a lot of options. And I was like starting to be like, give it up, like let go of the ball. Like she she seemed like she was really taking her time and holding on to it. But I guess she was just being patient. Uh, She found Kelly, who got it back to Gaby, who had to beat about one and a half defenders um, to get that shot. And once she uncorked it, it was uh, quite a stonker. It was an it it was a rocket. I, I was afraid that it went bar down and out, but yeah. uh, it did hit the top of the net. Uh, it it was a no doubter once it once it did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I I had the same initial feeling. Like when it when it hit the bar, I was like, oh god, don't you know? But uh, but yeah, she had just I guess the right the right placement, the right spin on it. It, it went in and not out. Fifty uh, seventh minute, it was Kelly again. This time after Larson got in deep. Had her pass deflect off a LaSalle defender back in the direction of the goal, and Kelly was there to kind of put it away. 
Uh, not exactly like pretty stuff there, but just uh, just a workmanlike goal uh, with Larson as she did all day in this game, doing the majority of the work. Um, and then in the 84th minute, Sleuth thought they had a fourth with a chaotic scrum in front of the net off a corner, but it was called a slew handball. LaSalle got a goal kick instead. Less than three minutes later, Gaby missed by about a foot, and uh, it, w- it would end with th- with that score, three nil, Zach. Yeah, I I thought the there was the um, the the third goal. LaSalle was really. I, I mean, I was shocked that they had as big of a reaction to that. Yeah. Because it did, I believe, came off a, a a LaSalle defender and then right back to Kelly, who was offside. I mean, I don't think it even deflected. I think the LaSalle player, like, I think the issue was the LaSalle player made a kicking motion. Right. Because if it would have been a deflection, like, you know, I don't know. LaSalle, the LaSalle were not... Uh, th- there was one really nice moment where well, a little kid brought the ball to one of the players on an out of bounds uh, and the high five. It was very nice. Uh, but I-, I thought LaSalle was just kind of whining the entire time from the start. And, yeah. They and, came in ready to be victims. Yes, for sure. For sure. Like they played, they clearly had a game plan that was like, let's be as physical as possible. I mean, they were very, very physical in this yeah. game. And Slew's normally the more physical team too, right? Like they're pretty aggressive about, they're they're tackling about going to 50 50 balls everything they do they really press teams um LaSalle was clearly ready to put up a fight though I mean like they they were as physical as anybody we've played all season but they were also like yeah you're right like like they had they were ready to be victims and their coach too I mean he got a yellow I think it was the 22nd minute and he could have gotten it several minutes earlier like he yeah. he was all over the ref he was asking for it literally Every foul, every out of bound, like everything they had, and he at was least wrong. one, if not two or three players swarming the refs and complaining. And he was wrong every time. Yeah. I, most of the time I was like, what are you even complaining about? Yeah. I, like this one, like I, I did call it a ref show a little bit earlier. It wasn't necessarily that he was making like horrible calls from the start. He just kind of like didn't set a tone of like, I don't know, getting it under control. Um, he, I don't he, know if. I didn't. I thought he had a really bad understanding of advantage in this one. Yes, that that's that's fair. That's true. He absolutely did. Like it uh, was like, I mean, both ways. I thought there were multiple yeah. times when he called stuff back. I was like, "What are you doing?" But for the most part, his foul calls were like, you know, they, like they were fouls, right? Like he he wasn't like I don't know. I I, I just. It, it was just fr- it, the t- the whole tone of this game. I, I think like, the yeah, the way I put it in the notes here is like, I just did not like the energy, <laughs> you know, like the, the coach was all over the refs. Their players were screaming about every call. Uh, and yet they're like knocking the crap out of slew players. Hannah Larson in this game mm-hmm. was just like, she was taken down every time she had the ball, which was a lot. I mean, she was doing a ton of work and how many times did they throw her into the grass, push her, you know, tripper into the like so she spent a lot of the game on the ground and like she was fouled hard sometimes like really really hard um i i couldn't believe the beating she took today and and then then lasalle would like turn and complain and it was like what are you talking about you're just destroying people out there he run us on the stats in this one uh it was it was a lot (sighs) 
I think it was closer than the yeah. score indicated because I thought LaSalle had a couple opportunities. There were times in this match where I thought, you know, like you said, it was sloppy, unfocused in, in mm-hmm. the second half. It just felt like the Billiken. It's like one of those things where if you're running and you stop running, it's harder to get your legs moving again than it is to keep right. running. Where I, I felt like the team was just so... They put the, they put it into cruise control, yeah, and then they hit tapped the brake, and then they forgot they had to put their foot back on the gas to make the car go again. Yeah, I, I don't know if and, and and I don't know how much like the physicality from Lasalle got to them or some of the other factors or what. It was it was just a it was a weird one, right? Like they outshot Lasalle twenty one fourteen, but Lasalle outshot them in the second half. You know, it was the first half really that caused the disparity in these stats. Second half, it was either really close or LaSalle had the advantage. They outshot Slew 13-11 in the second half, which means they only had one shot in the first half, and honestly, it wasn't really a shot. Um, shots on goal were 11-6. to Slew, Slew had eight corners to LaSalle's three, and Slew had 20 fouls to LaSalle's 18. Uh, yellows, LaSalle had six, Slew had one. It could have been at least 8-2 to two in that department, though. There were a couple that LaSalle... Uh, may have gotten away with, and I think Slew was it Gaby, uh, in the first half. Uh, uh, no, that's that was clean. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That was clean. Was it? Yes. It was right, gorgeous. Were, it was absolutely you, awesome. <laughs> you were there. Uh, I'll take your word for it. No, I I felt like almost. I I mean, you could see maybe why this team, and I'm not saying they're they're in the right or if if this is actually what they thought, but you could see how a team that's been to the NCAA tournament now six straight years um, and is up 3-0 in the final is, you know, daydreaming about getting uh, another chance, another crack at it that where they, where they failed last year. You could see that. I mean, I, I would understand it. I'd be the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's understandable for sure. I mean, it's, so, I don't know. It's also worth reminding people like LaSalle was the number two team in the conference, right? Yeah. Like this, this wasn't the same level of opponent that that slew had been beating you know in the weeks leading up to this game for the for the most part i thought they were they were better they clearly had a plan uh it was just it wasn't always the cleanest affair to watch though hit us with some season and career stats and a couple of just insane numbers here pete yeah now there are so so many more and but we, you know once we are wrapping up the season we'll be able to put more of it in perspective cuz a lot of these are just going to change every week but just a few of them First off, Kelly was named the most outstanding player of the tournament. Uh, no surprise there. Slew's shutout streak is now at 10. And without having conceded a goal in the last 920 minutes and 31 seconds of play, that was that 1-1 tie against Dayton. That's the last goal they allowed. Uh, that was the only goal they allowed in all of A-10 play, including the A-10 tournament. Incredible. Uh, Slew now has new season records for goals, 67, and assists, 65. Percelli broke Megan Burke's shutout record in, in this game and now has 39 for her career. Abby Miller played in her 105th game as a Billiken, tying Hannah Friedrich's record. Frederick or Friedrich? I, I went back and forth on that her whole career. Hannah Frederick? Yeah, it's Frederick, right? What, right? When in doubt, say it simple. That's what right. I go it, it was. It's Frederick. It's one of those things like once you say a name wrong once, it's like in your head forever. Yeah, it's like uh, crayon. But, oh, crayon. Yeah. Crayon. Crayon. yeah yeah i'm, I'm not even gonna say that meaning. 
Yeah. Uh, G- Gaby's school record for goals in a season now stands at 15. Um, so hopefully she can add several more to that at least. Uh, the NCAA tournament selection show is scheduled for Monday the 6th at 3 p.m., mere hours after we release this episode, of course. But we are very much looking forward to seeing what happens here. Zach, any predictions? I mean, I, I I would have to think this team gets at least one home game. We get a home game, but we're screwed and we have to play like Duke. <laughs> they are going to give it. Yeah, that's right. They're going to give us. I like think a, they make up for it this year. A, a, an RPI 39 team, yeah. you know, or something like that. It's going to be ridiculous. Well, that was the uh, positive portion of our show. Um, stay tuned for negative madness. Now, um, Pete, let's talk about men's soccer. Um, yeah, not good. No, not great, Zach. Yeah, this is the the bitter to the sweet. Um, their 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 RPI is officially at thirty one. They haven't updated it on the NCAA website since October 29th. I thought they would today. Unofficially, from what I could find, SLU appears to be down to 36th as of today, uh, which is Sunday the 5th. And uh, the, the reason for that, Zach, is this uh, gut-wrenching result against UMass in the A-10 tournament. Yeah, 2-2 uh, uh, draw with UMass Friday the 3rd with UMass advancing 4-3 to on PKs. Uh, scoreless first half, Alec Hughes of UMass made it one nothing with his 15th goal of the season, assisted by Shane Velez. Uh, 56 minutes, Billiken, mad sister Peterson tied it up at one on a really nice cross from Carlos Leatherman. 66 minute MSP, this time assisted by Seth Anderson and Carlos Buendia. Anderson did a lot of the heavy lifting here to get through the defense while MSP made a big run to be open on the far side. It, it, Pete, it felt like, they, okay, all right, this right. is it. We We got yeah. it. They buckled down. They got serious. All right. You know, we're at home. Let's put this away and move on. Yeah. But UMass tied it up in the 75th minute on a goal by Nick Zalanka. Um, and they beat us in a shootout. Yeah. Four to three. They did. Uh, I mean, is is I don't even know what to say about the shootout. It was, you know, look, it was a shootout. We missed two. <laughs> right. I mean, like it, it's, it's frustrating. Just, it's just frustrating just fired in the goal like i don't know right. i don't know um shots yeah. were 14 to 6 billikens shots on goal 7 to 4 billikens 13 nothing on corners for the billikens and the fouls were 27 to 16 umass uh when you have 13 corners against to zero and you give up two goals and you don't score more than two i don't know what to do no, no, it's just it's just frustrating. Look, UMass had a strategy and it worked. They were going to go over the top. They were going to go to Hughes. He's dangerous. Like yes. you can see it from from his first run. I was like, oh, that guy's going to be a problem. Like all night, right? Yes. He's just he's going to be a problem. They're going to swing for the fences every time, and they don't need to, to hit a home run every time. They only need to do it two or three times, right? And two was enough in this game. Um, you know, yeah, he only got one of them, but. That's that's how they were generating anything offensively. It was that's just how it was going to go. That guy could really fly, and he's one of the leading scorers uh, in the A10, and I think in in the in the country he's probably top twenty or so. So, uh, yeah, they went through him, and it and it it was a pretty good strategy overall. It paid off because the stats show that Slu uh, Slu was the the better team, uh, you know, on paper in this thing. But you're right, thirteen 
zero in corners and you wind up with a two, two tie in regulation. I don't know how that happens. Uh, Pete, run us down the other a 10 results and uh, tell us uh, what we know about uh, when the Billikens will learn their fate. Yeah. So number one seed VCU beat number eight seed Fordham one nil uh, four seed Dayton or sorry, four seed Davidson had two to Duquesne's five seed number. Or I'm saying this all wrong. Four yeah. seed Davidson two, five seed Duquesne one. Uh, Loyola was the three seed. They tied Dayton, who was the six seed, but Dayton advances on PKs five four. So heartbreak for the three seed as well, uh, which messes up our side of the bracket. SLU will ultimately learn their fate on Monday, November 13th during the NCAA tournament selection show. So a week behind the women, they will find out. And uh, I don't know what to say here. I mean, 36, if that's going to be about where they land in the RPI, what do you think that does? I have no idea. It, it like, it, they could be, they could host, they could be completely out it it is i really don't know what they're gonna what they're gonna do with this team uh, the, but the the slide they've been on going towards the end of the season has just been back to the aggressively back to the me or like you know where they were early in the season and you know i think i think I'll, i think there's something needs to be said about the the scheduling in the A-10, I mean, there's no reason Dayton is a sixth seed in that tournament. Um, you know, Davidson shouldn't be anywhere near a four. Um, right. Yeah, I don't really know. Uh, moving on to volleyball, uh, another uh, tough weekend. Uh, I know Beatty was really looking uh, to get out and, and – you know, assert themselves at Davidson this weekend, and, and the team just didn't didn't do it, um, or or you know any of them didn't really come through with the result, coaches or players. Uh, not to throw anyone under the bus. Uh, three to two loss at Davidson on Friday, November third. Pete, this was a tough one, Zach. Uh, they they got out to a, a you know a tough situation, a tough spot in the first two. And then clawed back in the second two and had a lead in the fifth. They had uh, several leads. Yeah, they did. So it was 18-25, 21-25, and then 25-23, 26-24. Really gutted out those two. And then 16-18 in that fifth set. Uh, Lou, Slew led 12-7 at one point in that final one. Davidson survived three match points. Um, and most stats in this overall match were uh, a dead heat or pretty close. Delaney Rice had 18 kills. Three different players had five blocks each. Jillian Mattingly, CC Fitz, and Addie Lyon. Lyon also had 42 assists, and Carly Rogers had 24 digs. Oh, <laughs> that was yeah. one where, you know, at, at first I was like, okay, this is not their night. And then it was like, oh, they're definitely going to win, right? Yeah. Like it, it was, it's, it was quite a roller coaster here. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Speaking on a macro level, these two matches, it's just it's it highlights when you watch a volleyball team, uh, you know, go this team. It doesn't have the ability to go on runs. And it, it, I think it comes a lot from their defense, uh, because when you're on defense, you're serving, you are taking the the attack first. You're taking the first attack. Um, 
you're, you're absorbing the first attack. And, and I think the block just is not there. It doesn't get there quick enough. It, it gets to the wrong spot. Um, and then, uh, you know, digs and, and that I, I just, there's so many times you watch this team just get beat over and over again on, on tip balls. Uh, and, and I just think the def- defense isn't there and it, it's going to need to improve big time uh, looking ahead to next season. Obviously there's a couple games left, but I think right now they're on the outside looking into that a 10 tournament. Pete walk us through uh, a 3-0 loss on Sunday. Well, run us down the stats first and then uh, give us that 3-0 loss at Dayton Davidson. The stats on the on the three two one. Yeah, uh, yeah. We already. We oh that. god, I got yeah. I got into my bag. Sorry, I was. No, that's I, good. I, I went. I was on a roll. All right, they go lost, on, go ahead with the Davidson. So in this three three nothing loss, they lost the first set thirty thirty two, then eighteen twenty five eighteen twenty five. They held a nineteen fourteen lead in the first set, but Davidson went on a seven zero run, and it was basically neck and neck after that. Uh, ultimately, with the Wildcats getting the best of them. Uh, then they ran away with the final yeah. two sets. Davidson did. Mattingly had 11 kills. Opperly had 23 assists. Rogers 22 digs. Um, but Zach, they could have put themselves in a really strong spot for for a seed in this uh, tournament. And now it's going to be a three team race with uh, with two teams getting in. Uh, so it's going to be pretty tricky here. Slu, do you want to run down the standings? You want me to? How do you want to? Uh, Dayton. Here? Dayton's at the top, 16 and 0, 14 and 2, Loyola, Chicago, 13 and 3, VCU, 9 and 7, Davidson, 7 and 9, Fordham, 6 and 10, St. Louis and Duquesne, 4 and 12, Mason and Washington, George Washington, uh, 1 and 15, Rhode Island. Um, yeah, they're they're in yeah. a tough spot. They are. They've got George Washington at home, you know, luckily one of the weaker teams in the league. On Friday and Saturday, the 10th and 11th. And then Fordham, who's one game ahead, plays two against George Mason, who's also pretty weak. And then Duquesne hosts Davidson. So they're at home, but against a little bit stronger team. So if 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 everybody wins out here, I think SLU could be the odd team out. Duquesne has the tiebreaker over SLU. They won 3-2, 3-2 on October 6th and 7th. And then SLU has the tiebreaker over Fordham because they won by the same scores on October 13th and 14th or same scores. Like, you know what I mean? They won. Yeah. Three, two, three, two. Um, So that's a really interesting breakdown, right? I mean, like I, it it looks like if, if I had to pick any one situation heading into this weekend, we're probably in the toughest spot just because Uh... of that tiebreaker. I mean, Duquesne has to be Davidson twice. That's probably yeah. Tougher. No, I, I mean, I think Slu's in a better spot for that sixth seed. That that's true. But if if everybody goes two and zero, we're we're in trouble. We need Duquesne to drop. Yeah, I I, I have no doubts in my mind. Right. Well, I think I think we just need to take care of business. Yeah, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Duquesne will drop one or two to Davidson. Uh, well, Davidson's he- this this volleyball this conference is very good this year like like uh, it's gonna sound like me making excuses uh because for the last four years you've heard me talk about how bad this conference is mm-hmm. but adding loyola chicago uh has has completely changed um 
just I mean it is yeah. the, uh, the the fact that Loyola Chicago was added is the reason Kent Miller isn't here anymore. <laughs> That's probably true. I, I mean, mean, it was really Dayton and VCU before, and right, and the, like Dayton's yeah. better than they've ever uh, literally ever been. I don't think they're they're not better than they've ever been. They've been this uh, good. Yes, twenty seven yes. two undefeated in in conference. Uh, uh, they've won yes. I think twenty four in a row now or something. Yes. Like that. Uh, hold on. I know this is ridiculous to do to prove this point to you because <laughs> we're they're, at they're the tail. as good as they're about as good as they've ever been. So like, oh yes, yes, hundred uh, percent. This this is not a bad slew team, and for them to be a like a slightly below the middle of the you know they're they're technically a bottom half team in this league and that's crazy to me like this is you're right it's a way better league than it than it was before davidson's better um vcu is just as good as they always are so uh you're right it's it it is better i I would want to say top to bottom but rhode island's terrible um 2009 they went 30 and 4 14 and 1 in conference with the only loss coming to xavier and it was a 3-2 loss um yeah they they didn't dominate the way they are this season but uh and then 2010 i want to say they they were 28 and 4 in 2010 um that was the year they beat us in the final that i was on the staff um yeah the they were uh the next they were 21 13 and 08 but i mean that was that was saint that was slew's best year uh we dominated them in in all three matches beat them 3-0 3-1 3-0 yeah that's wow. how good we were yeah um yeah cross country was off this week i don't know who they're sending to the midwest regionals i'm sure we'll get if anybody uh I'm not sure, but that that'll be Friday, November 10th in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, Pete swimming and diving. Uh, they had, they were busy. They were, they had a double dual meet at little rock on Saturday, the fourth Henderson state was also there. Uh, the women beat Henderson state two twenty to 45, but lost to little rock one sixty three fifty to one eleven fifty. Uh, Megan Ang was a multiple winner for the women. She got first place in the hundred meter back and 200 meter. Uh, Emily Leonard won the thousand freestyle and then Kenna Cashman tied for first in the 100 breaststroke. The men beat Henderson state 174 to 103. Little rock doesn't actually have a men's team uh, probably on account of they have a football team. Franklin Liu won the 500 free and the 1000 meter free Jedrick Camilla touched first in the 100 meter breaststroke and 200 meter. And then Ben Mears captured the one meter and three meter diving competitions. Also winning were Zach Byers in the 200-meter backstroke, uh, Alex Daw in the 100-individual medley, and the 800-free re- relay team of Ryan Bates, Lenny DiMartino, Ben Maliti, and Logan Townsend also finished first. Uh, next up, they've got the Phoenix Fall Classic at the University of Chicago on the 17th through the 19th. Is that the University of Phoenix Fall Classic? It is not. No, the okay. University of Phoenix and University of Chicago are very different institutions. Oh, okay. Just check. It. Um, <laughs> well, that I think that does it. I, I mean, outstanding from uh slew women's soccer six six time. 
They're a dynasty, Zach. Uh, I mean, is there a word? Is there a better word? Uh, by the way, I'm calling out Chris Allen. We we've heard enough from Katie Shields. We want to hear from the set piece, the set piece guru, because I got some ideas. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm bringing the secret weapon for the for the first round NCAA tournament game. Exactly. I got some ideas. You've got the mentality of like the the mid '90s Disney sports movie, uh, you know, gimmick, yes. gimmick play. We're running the a, annexation of Puerto Rico. Going to do a, a gimmick play from a 1995 uh, heartwarming. No, kids he, sports here's comedy. the play. You come up with a play, call it the annexation of Puerto Rico, and you yell it to everybody. You make sure everybody knows about it, and then it's just a, a simple, just cross the ball. That's the pl- that's the plan. Just as straightforward as yeah, possible. Yeah, it's 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 a World War II level deception. So, so if teams really want to scout SLU, they should be listening to the end of this show, Zach. Because absolutely, that's gold. I'm right I'm there. getting that getting that uh that listener length, uh, you know that that stay rate. Uh, <laughs> no, that that that's it. That, that we're done. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Peter is a tweeter at Zach Miller, MMP at Midtown mad pod. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Again, thank you guys for listening and uh, go bills. Go bills. (laughs) 